Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor. Make it a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator. Sister Sharon Taylor, our Minister of Music. Minister, excuse me, Rochelle Jones, excuse me, will offer the altar prayer. Pastor Milson will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And I, Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for refuge from the storm, church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who died from targeting. Pray for all government officials to be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, do it and not do their will. Please pray for world peace, the worldwide climate crises, all refugees, particularly Haitian and African, who have suffered extreme abuses in their countries. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings, and all violence, and their families. Pray for all children, especially the missing and the trafficked. Pray for TIs who have had their children taken away unjustly, by an unjust court system. Pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will help them to have peace without satanic frequencies harming them. Thank you for your attention. Now let us listen to our opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six and be blessed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Who would you rather have than Jesus? Is there anyone in the world that you'd rather have than Jesus? The one who saves us, who heals us, who covers us with his own blood that we might have a right to eternal life. I don't know anyone that can match the blessings of Jesus. So I would still rather have Jesus. I would rather have Jesus than anything that this world can give us. Because we know that what the world gives, the world can take away. But what God gives us, the world cannot take away. I give thanks and praise to God, my Father, for his faithfulness and for each of you who are with us today. I'm grateful that God has brought us together for this hour of worship. 
I'm always glad to express my appreciation to the ministry team and all who participate in the services each week. Thank you for using your time and your talents in the service of the Lord. We also praise God that through, though we live all across these United States, God gives us grace that through Zoom and conference calls, we are able to have these services and to bring to you others like our Bible study and morning prayer meetings. And gee, we have special meetings and during the holiday seasons. And every time we meet, God is allowing it to happen. And we don't take that lightly, but we surely want to dedicate our time and our efforts to God for his glory and for his honor. Our scripture reading this afternoon is coming from the book of Judges, verses 1 through 7. I'll be reading from the New King James uh, Version, starting at verse 2. And it reads, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn back and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you, and of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was before him in the valley. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come this afternoon with glorious thanks and praise in our hearts and on our lips. We come, God, so, so thankful that you have kept us for this appointed time, Lord, that you have brought us to this place that we might worship and praise and honor and give you glory, Lord. I pray now, Lord, as we gather around the word that you will open up the eyes of our understanding, open up our hearts, oh God, that we might receive the word that you have for us individually and collectively, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the message that even when it seems like we don't have enough, that you, in the midst of all we try to do, is more than enough. We give you thanks and praise this day in Jesus' name. 
Amen. For a title of the message this afternoon, I'm using God's plan for a victory. God's plan for a victory. There have been many victories won in what the world would term against all odds. Military conflicts have been won that way for centuries, even though the victory at Desert Storm, I understand, was really by underhanded hypnosis as sublimial messaging using the voice of God technology. In the Olympics, the United States has brought home many gold, silver, and bronze medals through the well-trained performances of their gymnasts, runners, snow skiers, ice skaters, and other athletes, even when it looked like the odds were against them. I have read about wrestlers who have won the big gold belt in spite of being considered the underdog. We've seen basketball and football games won by comeback after the team came from many points behind. One of my favorite movies, Facing the Giants, found a high school football team facing the possibility of winning the state championship, except for the opposition whose name just happened to be the Giants. They had many woes to contend with until the coach showed them how little faith they had in God and in human resilience, their own resilience, actually. What about that election where we went to bed sure of the victory of our favorite candidate, only to get up in the morning to learn that the other person won the race? Just a few electoral votes put another person in the White House other than the one who we chose to lead us. Then, of course, there are the people in the family of God. It is our God who the devil has shaken his fist in God's face and told him that he has all of God's children. So today, God sends a message back to the devil, a reminder that he doesn't know when God is coming, but he can rest assured that he is. Looking for God in his word was one of the things that I did with my time during the early years of being targeted. While reading and meditating in the Bible, I was able to see that God does not use conventional ways to fight the battles, his battles. In comparison to the world who fights their battles, mostly according to their leader, the devil, God did not need man's hands to defeat his enemies. That is, even when God formed an army of people, he did not have to use their hands in the battle, but he did need their obedience. God has used boils, locusts, the sea, hailstones, praise. You get the point. God does not have to use guns, bullets, tanks, or planes. In his sovereignty, God will choose the weapon. Man can't challenge God to a duel like Lincoln and Hamilton. God tells man what he will do, and he does not discuss it with him first. There have been many times in the Bible that a trumpet appears as an object used by God as it is today. A trumpet can be used in praise or in war. The point is that God decides the use of the weapon, and it always works out as God expected. The use of a trumpet in scripture appears at least 100 
18 times in the King James Bible. It is used to build anticipation and tells the reader that an alert, an announcement, or a warning is about to take place. Famous trumpet players in America, I looked them up because I remembered some of them from my little, from my little girl age eight, uh, years, remember that younger years. Louis Armstrong was famous for the genre of music called the blues. Miles Davis was famous for his trumpet playing of the jazz music. Even before them was Dizzy Gillespie. When I looked for trumpet players in Christian genre, I fell in love with Phil Driscoll back in the 80s. Oh, my goodness. He used to play those songs so, and it would, the, the sound of the notes would be like someone was literally singing them. And, of course, he would get those old hymns of the church, and, and they were so, so, so good to my soul. There was an African uh, man named Barima Amo, who is also among the few who plays worship music by trumpet. There really aren't a lot of them. And then I have a family member, a cousin, who is a wonderful trumpet player. He actually played the trumpet in my second wedding, and I loved it. The song he played was um, more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. The second Sunday, uh, last Sunday, I taught Sunday school at my local church. And the topic of the lesson was on the Jericho victory. I became enthralled in the idea of God's use of the trumpet to win a victory for Israel at Jericho. But that was not the scriptures that I was meditating on during the week. There were two separate sets that I was meditating on. And it was not until this morning that God brought this back to me. Israel had just crossed the Jordan River and Jericho was their first battle. God's strategy for winning this city was the use of obedience, trumpets, and a shout from the mouths of his people. Israel didn't have chariots, horses, and swords, but they had the presence of the almighty God with them. And as we face our battles, whether it be the Midianites or our Jericho walls, we have to be reminded that if we can get the strategy from God, he's the one with the plan. If we can dare to walk by faith and not by sight, God promises us the victory. Gideon belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. He was approached by the angel of the Lord while he was hiding in the wine press. This is the way the story begins. The Midianites were often attacking and taunting Israel until their fear of the Midianites had caused them to forget about the power of their God. Mighty man of valor is what the angel called Gideon, whose name really meant mighty warrior. Gideon didn't feel that he could live up to such a name and began to question the angel of the Lord about his choice of greeting. It turns out that the angel tells Gideon about his assignment from God and Gideon asked for signs that the Lord was really speaking to him. Fleecing is done with wool and dew, both in wet and dry form before Gideon is convinced that he was the man for the task. The task was to tear down the altar that his father had built to Baal. 
in direct disobedience to God's commandment that, that thou shalt have no other God before me. So Israel found themselves in the land of the Midianites, worshiping their God, when God has said specifically not to. Gideon was the first man to receive an assignment to oppose worship to Baal, the God of the Canaanites. Baal was considered to be the God of fertility. Because of the influence of the Canaanites, Baal worship became widespread in Israel. And needless to say, God was not happy about that. Later in biblical history, the prophet Elijah was called also called to the lead in rejection of this false death, deity. During the reign of King Ahab, his wife Jezebel was allowed to build a temple to this god, Baal. Elijah was given the commandment at that point to remind the people of Israel, first of all, who God was, and then to destroy those 450 prophets of Baal. Believe it or not, we have some prophets of Baal walking around today. We have those who say, and, and, and they really do, with pride that they are desecrating the pulpit. They are pretenders of worshipers of God Almighty when really they are bringing into the pulpit and into the atmosphere of the church at worship that old disobedient servant who was kicked out of heaven because he refused to worship the one true live and living God, but rather he desired worship for himself. So I was really, really pulled in when I realized that God was talking to me about two people who had been involved in destroying the worship to that old idol who was set up in the earth to, to challenge God's authority in his world and over his people. Those of you who are listening to me today, think it not strange when it comes your time to challenge that same deity to question the leadership of those who would dare to lead us in the wrong direction in service of the wrong God, but they would do so for money. At this point, I am to remind each of you that no matter how difficult a task or a challenge that you are facing, God is enough. When the odds are too much for you in your strength, I can assure you that the strength of the Lord God is with you. You can do all things. Gideon was asked to tear down an idol that his father had allowed to be built among the people of God. And at that, I was reminded of Madeline Murray O'Hare. She initiated the removal of the Bible from the schools, and it literally became a Supreme Court issue. However, it was her son who led the crusade to right that wrong. He was reported to say, the part I played as a teenager in removing prayer from public schools was criminal. He wrote for a newspaper in Austin where his mother's nonprofit was based. He wrote for a new, uh, and then in Baltimore, is where the lawsuit was filed. He said, I swear on the altar of God that I will strive to right the wrong that I have done. 
Do you think that God had anything to do with the attitude of the son of a confessed atheist who publicly opposed the word of God? So you see, from the times of Gideon, when God chose the son of the man who was the leader of Israel to go and, 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 and pull down that false idol that had been erected in his family. To here we get down to Madeline Mary O'Hare's son. Thousands of years later, challenging his mother, pulling down a, 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 an act that was erected by his mother. At least he publicly opposed her. Unfortunately, that woman's act began the decline of the climate in, in, in education from that point to this one. And I firmly remember when the Supreme Court ruled on the exclusion of, of the Bible from schools and prayer from schools. But I can tell you also that today we don't know who's teaching our children. We don't know if our children are being taught by the same kinds of atheists that Madeline Mary O'Hare was. We don't know that who's, who's preaching to us from our pulpits. We don't know if we're being preached to by servants of the Most High God or servants of that old deity named Baal. But what we can be assured of is God knows how to lead us in the right direction. Might God call one of you to stand up for the right of others to serve him in freedom or to just have freedom in these states of America? There was one who led others to freedom. Her name was Harriet Tubman. Then there was one who led others in a march for freedom. His name was Martin Luther King. And now today, 2023, we have one Anna Toledo who is challenging these United States for our freedom from being added to a list that causes us to be used for torture training and experimentation in a free nation. Gideon's assignment of destroying the altar built to Baal was just the beginning of his tough missions. The second task was even more dangerous and demanding. Gideon had to lead a mission against the Midianites to gain freedom for Israel. Notice how God was constantly freeing his people. I mean, over and over and over again, someone would come against Israel. God would come against them. And you needn't think that it's any different today. God is still in the freeing business. He still have plans in place that we might be free at the appropriate time. God told Gideon his plan to reduce the 32,000 men to a number that God could use. We often think that we need a crown, a crowd of people to defeat an opponent. God needed to show Gideon that God does not need a large number of people. One obedient man or one obedient woman would take the place of thousands who would be eaten up with arrogance and pride. Down to 300 men, Gideon was given the strategy. Each man was to have a trumpet in one hand and a glass jar with a light in the other hand. Gideon was to lead these men with the promises of God. I will save you and I will deliver the Midianites into your hand. 
How many times have we gone into battle with just the promises of God? I'll be with you. I'll keep you from danger and from trouble. I will deliver you. Those are the same kinds of promises God made centuries ago. And just as he kept his promises then, he is still keeping his promises to us. God set the stage for the deliverance. Gideon had but to obey. Trumpets on a jar. God had used many odd items to deliver his people. Ten plagues from Egypt. A slingshot on a rock for Goliath. Praises for Jehoshaphat against the ites. God chose the weapon and gave his people the victory. If we can just keep these, these thoughts in mind, if you could just keep muttering over these kinds of, of truths of the character of God, of the way God deals with his people and for his people, I believe we can make it. Then verse 16 in, in chapter 7 of the book of Judges says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pictures and torches, inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia. Now, I was, again, as I was just reading those scriptures, I was being reminded of last Sunday and the instructions that God gave Israel on how to take the city of Jericho. Jericho was encamped round about by walls and their walls were thick, thick enough, six feet thick, thick enough that a chariot could drive across. And yet God gave the instruction of the children of Israel. He said, six days, I want you all to go and march around the camp of Idian. Nobody says a word. He says, this is the order in which I want you to go. I want the, I want there to be an escort of, of army in front of the priest. I want seven priests with seven trumpets behind the priests. I want the Ark of the Covenant. So that meant four priests had to carry the Ark of the Covenant because they could not touch it. They had to carry it by sticks who stuck through the through the handles. And behind the Ark of the Covenant was to be the people of God. He said six days. I want you to march around it without saying a word. But the priests are to be blowing the trumpet. Imagine how you would feel if, if every morning you woke up, here's somebody outside your apartment blowing a trumpet. It's a conditioner. I'm telling you, when the perpetrators want to condition the, the victims, they, they carry out a task. And the first thing every morning is an is a unnerving task to carry out. For me, it was a man with a yellow motorcycle. Every single morning, he roared that engine every morning to blare my nerves. And it kept me on edge. So imagine what Jericho was like after six days of hearing a trumpet blowing around. Now, I studied that one time around Jericho was about 5.3 miles. And it took two to three hours 
So imagine how you felt with someone outside your house blaring a horn for five hours or for two, well, for two or three hours. And that happened every single day. On the seventh day, the instructions from God was to go around six times. But this time you're going around on the seventh time. I want the horns to blow. I want the Ark of the Covenant to be in its place. And I want everybody to be shouting all the way around. Do you know that that noise, the the and I, I really did look it up, the effect of sound on solid. I believe that those first times that they were marching around that wall and blowing that trumpet, that the trumpet, the sound of the trumpet was causing things to move in the wood that was holding the fort together. And I'm saying this because we don't know where God is in our midst. We don't know what he's doing on the nervous system of our perpetrators. We cannot see how their nervous system is being being attacked by what God does for us or in us or through us. But we know God has the strategy and he's working it for our good. So the seventh time around, the horn blowed, the ark was in its place and the people were shouting and the walls fell. Now, I saw last night, I think that the walls fell inward, which means it fell on the people. There wasn't much fighting to be done. And God had given Israel the instructions and, and anything that's left in there, I want you to destroy it. You have to destroy every single person and every single item. The only thing that you bring out would be the silver, the gold, the brass and the iron. He said, and that goes in my treasury. So here we are, trumpets, seven priests blowing trumpets while they walked a 5.3 mile journey every single day. But that day they had to go around six times and then seven. That meant they, they walked over 35 miles that day, blowing a trumpet for, for five, let's see, two to three hours and 35, 35 miles in two to three hours per mile. Y'all, that was a lot of blowing of the trumpet. There was a lot of shaking of the wood. It was a lot of irritation on the nervous system of the people inside the wall. But it became a lot of victory for the children of Israel. If we could but believe God that much, that if he told us to walk around the White House seven times or to drive around, if we could believe him to get together and do it just because God said do it, if he said on the seventh time around, everybody blare the horns, y'all, we'd be riding through Washington, D.C., blowing our horns. People would think we were crazy, but we would be saying, come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. God used the trumpets for many things, including the Feast of Trumpets that was to signal a period of rest for Israel. Trumpets were used to give an alarm of war, to call an assembly and for warning. Gideon's fear would not stop God from doing what he had already decided to do. He just had to, God had to convince Gideon that he could do it. Terrorism doesn't stop God. Y'all need to understand. And, and today, as I, as I was working on the message and, and, and looking and studying, I saw something so most amazing. As we think about terrorism, September the 11th, 2000. 
One was the day of most uh, that most terrorism took place in America. In my studies, y'all, it says September the 11th could be the day that Jesus was actually born because he was born in the fall of the year. The Feast of Trumpets were used to denote the time of the year, the season of the year. And so we, we are amazed that God would use the Feast of the Trumpets way back in the days of Israel, way before Jesus was ever born. And yet here we are, September the 23rd, 2023, still talking about the trumpets and the Feast of the Trumpets. Trumpets still play an important role in Christian history and the end of the age. We are told that at this trumpet sound, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now the world has cause to fear for trumpets blowing and we don't see anyone blowing. We're told that on the day that, that Jesus, on the day that God spoke to Moses from the cloud, Moses heard a trumpet. He didn't see anyone. We're told that on the day that Jesus reappears, there's going to be a trumpet sounding. The trumpets are known to be a significant part of God's artillery. The first six trumpets in the book of Revelations mark the beginning of disaster in the earth. The first trumpet will mark the beginning of hell and fire mingled with blood that will cause the earth one third of the earth and of trees to be burned up, the grass and trees. The second trumpet, a great mountainous burning object will be thrown into the earth's oceans, causing one third of them to become blood, one third of sea life to die, and one third of the ships to be destroyed. At the third trumpet sound, John saw a burning star fall from heaven on sources of fresh water, causing the water to become bitter and kill many. Then the fourth trumpet, the light of the sun, moon, and stars upon the earth will be diminished by a third. We were told then to be concerned about the, the last three or the last two trumpets for sure, because that would denote the destruction of, of mankind. So the fifth trumpet was the first woe, what John could only describe as an unusual type of locust will emerge on the earth that will inflict intensely painful stings upon humans for five months. And there was a notation there that says it could, you could envision modern military or, or aircraft. The sixth trumpet also called the second woe four angels will be released to kill one third of the earth's remaining population via an army of 200 million. If they did not have the mark of God on them. For those who are without the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ, there will be much suffering. 
much greater than what is currently being experienced on earth. But the seventh trumpet blown by the seventh angel will herald much like the angels at Jesus' birth, the good news of his arrival. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the king of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. It is predicted that Jesus Christ was born on September the 11th, 3000 BCE. This period in late summer was also during the Feast of Trumpets. Theologians believe that Jesus was born during the Feast of Trumpets, and we as Christians await the last trumpet sound when the king will be ruled by our Lord and his Christ. And so we think about Gideon and the assignment to first challenge the, the erection of, of a, a statue of an idol that Israel could worship other than the God we serve. But he did it, and he was, it was against his own father, his own flesh and blood. God was going to spare none. When Jesus said mothers would be against daughters and fathers would be against sons, that's what Gideon was, exper was experiencing and exemplifying. Anyone who will not follow God, we may have the, the task or the chore of challenging their allegiance to a false God, to someone who cannot and will not save them. But then Gideon's second, and Gideon did that by himself. But then Gideon's second challenge was to take 300 men into the camp of the Midianites and to slay them or believe that God's going to take care of them. With the 300 men, the blowing of the trumpets, the crashing of the glass. We're told that the people in the camp got confused and they began to fight one another. Another time we were told about something like that happening when Jehoshaphat was being challenged by the ice and he just went to God. He said, Lord, we have no power against this mighty multitude and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God told him that the battle wasn't theirs, but it was ours. It was his. And so we're told that God, the instructions were that the Praises were to be sent out first. And then the rest of Israel was going out behind them. The word tells us that the praise is what confused the enemy. And they began to fight one another. It says the two strongest ones took out the weakest one. And then the two strongest ones killed one another. And nothing was left but the spoil. What is the encouragement to you today as we talk about ways that God wins his victory. He may never tell you to pick up a weapon of any kind of warfare except the Bible and prayer. He may only want you to tell the good news of the gospel that the Savior is coming back again. What you can be assured of are the very same two things that Gideon had the assurance that God would be with him and that God would give his enemies into his hands. We put our place, our faith in God through Jesus Christ. We are reminded of a savior who hung on a cross and he had to get to the place like Gideon of wanting to obey his father more than he wanted to please his flesh. Gideon wanted to obey his father in heaven, just like Jesus. And because Jesus went to the cross, we have a right to eternal life. We can claim our place in heaven. We can claim our seat 
somewhere around the throne of God. And more than anything, we can be there when the trumpet sounds, not in fear, but in great jubilation and, and excitement of heart that our Savior is coming. God bless you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.